Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga. And thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. So, okay, so how do we introduce you? We can introduce you as Dr. Leslie Walters. And uh-huh. what's, your, what's your title right now? Because you have a new title now. Well, well, unofficially, unofficially. Starting in July. Yeah. What's yeah. your new title in July? Section Head of Obstetrics at the Women's Hospital. Look at this. So you can like just... you brought like a specialist. Like you were talking about bringing the a specialist. specialist, you know, and she'll be lots of fun. Like, like she's a OBGYN. But she's... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you, if you caught her on Twitter, you know... Yeah, but she's also super <laughs> smart and fun, which is my favorite combination. Oh, no, no, no. We've talked, yeah, but um, yes... Oh. Gynecologists are scary for some people. Yeah, they don't it, have to be. Yeah, I'm sure. How many times have you've had people sit down in front of you and it's like, mm-hmm. "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I can usually draw them out though. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I guess the whole topic of women's health, Susie has always been. You know, you've always been such a strong proponent. You know, just for getting yourself checked and everything like that. But what are we getting checked and like you know what is important now to get checked right well in my specialty um, one of the main screening programs that we are a part of is for cervical cancer screening Um, most preventative health care is delivered by family doctors Mm -hmm. and their teams of nurse practitioners and um, they do that very 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 well Uh, Most women are connected, which is a good thing, but there's a huge number of women who don't have a family doctor or who don't access their family doctor on a regular basis. Um, So I connected with Susie when we decided to have a pap day, basically a walk-in pap clinic. Cool. And where that came from is when I was starting up in practice, I got letters from a small number of family doctors who... Um, they themselves don't do pap tests. And that's an unfortunate reality, but it is a reality. Mm-hmm. And for any number of reasons, that happens. Some of them work with nurse practitioners or other physicians who do them. And so they use those resources to make sure their patients get screened. But if they don't have that, they refer to a gynecologist. Right. And when you're new in practice and you're not that busy, um, it's easy to accept everything. (laughs) (laughs) When you are busy, you start to triage things a little bit differently. And when you look at something like that and say, well, that should be done by the family doctor and refuse to say it, unfortunately, um, that patient may not get seen. She may not get her pap test. So, And that happens year over year too, right? Yeah. Yeah, And that becomes problematic. A problem. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I thought, I don't want to abandon these women or these family doctors who've been referring to me, and now suddenly I'm, you know, too much of a big deal to see them. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the solution? What can we do? Um, And and then the women who don't have a family doctor, how are they accessing their pap test? So we thought, if we just open up a day periodically and advertise it as a walk-in clinic for pap tests, 
and add on to that screening for sexually transmitted infections, mm-hmm. um, talking about HPV and vaccination and who should get it and who shouldn't and how do you yeah. get it and what well, does it that, cost. Yeah, I, I want to know about all of that right. too. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's sort of wow. how this came to be. And uh, we just had our second pap day and you know, lots of women who came in who said, oh, I got the letter from cervix check. So I don't know if you're aware, but there's a database in Manitoba mm-hmm. of every mm-hmm. pap test. I've gotten the letter, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we keep track of right. who's due, mm-hmm. and especially when there's been an abnormality and the next pap needs to be sooner or the follow-up needs to be escalated, right. um, and women get letters in the mail. Mm-hmm. So if you get that letter, and maybe you call your family doctor's office and they're booking weeks or months in advance for right. that type mm-hmm. of appointment, Maybe that's a hard appointment for you to make. I know I'm constantly rescheduling things that are booked too far in advance because right. my schedule is so crazy. Um, so, you know, people who came in and said the letter was on my table and I just <laughs> just came in, Aww. you know. Yeah. Um, so I love hearing that. And especially after all is said and done, when they say that was mm-hmm. so quick, that was so easy, you know, that was really not a big deal. I'm just so happy yeah. to have it done. Yeah. No, is this kind of like the same thing for men, like, you know, not getting their prostate checked? Well, yeah, it's the same thing, right? So we do a lot of focus on men's health and yeah. prostate health and things like that. And it, there seems to be not a disconnect, but women are always the ones pushing their men to get these tests done. Well, right. who's pushing us sometimes? So we need to take care of our own health as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes a lot of us think, oh, I'll get to it. That letter probably sat on the table like mine did for a few months, you know, mm-hmm. and then it, the time just gets away from you. So I think the great idea that Dr. Leslie and her colleagues at her practice had was just to make it really simple, to bring it down to like it's five minutes of your day. You can book ahead or you can just come walk in, but just get it done and it might save your life, you know? Yeah, it's always like that. It might save your life. And it, yeah. So I want to like go back to like cervical cancer and mm-hmm. we hear endometriosis and all of those things and, you know... Being female, right? You're just like, oh. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, we really don't know what it really is. Like, we just hear what's in the media. And sometimes you don't need to know what it is until you hit that magical age of 40. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) everything is just like, what is happening? (laughs) Like, what's going on? And you're just like, I'm confused. I've never had this before. And you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn. And some women, I heard anecdotally, didn't want to get their pap test done by their family doctor for whatever reason. So they went and booked for this pap day and, you know, they took care of it that way as well. So I think there's sometimes things that you know, we don't talk about or that we're afraid to talk about and, you know, having this kind of connection and even, you know, reaching out on social media sometimes I think is really smart Mm -hmm. to connect with experts in the field and say, I know, you know, this is your area of expertise. I have some questions and seeing you're helping other people when you ask those questions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing about that, when you talk about lack of education and awareness, most people don't realize how completely simple and straightforward a pap test actually is to do. Um, So some people may be very well connected with their family doctor and get great care, but they think for some reason that that area Mm -hmm. has to be taken care of by a specialist. And, I mean, I'm good at what I do, (laughs) but do I do a better pap than Mm -hmm. my family doctor colleagues? No, absolutely I don't. but if you have that perception that you need a specialist for this special thing that we don't talk about <laughs> because it happens down there, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, then so. it just creates an extra barrier. So, so we're just trying to open up the, the clear, way. Clear yeah. the way. Oh, yes. Well, so mine's a silly question, but it's like anything, no. a dentist looking in every mouth, like, <laughs> for you, like, was it... 
Did you know at age five I wanted to be? No, no, I did not. <laughs> so how did you get into this specialty or, you know, becoming a OBGYN? Well, um, there's a series of decisions that get made when you go into training as a physician. And some people know very young they want to be a doctor, and I was yes. not that person. Yeah. I just had all the right prerequisites. And <laughs> someone else who I asked, like, do you know what you want to do with all of this? And, and she was very clear that she was going to medical school, and she talked up the program where she was applying. Wow. And it sounded amazing, and I checked it out, and I thought, that would be really cool. But had never really considered medicine, because to me, medicine was the smartest person in the class, yeah. who always excelled at absolutely everything and dedicated every waking moment to studying. And I had had fun in university. I moved out, I had a job, I went to the bar, I hung out <laughs> with friends. So I just didn't think I was that person. But I had everything that was required on paper, and I applied, and I got in. Mm-hmm. So now, lo and behold, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm like, holy cow. Mom, guess what? I'm going to med school. I didn't know you wanted to do that. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> yeah, me Guess either. what? <laughs> Surprise. Um, but I absolutely loved training as a, as a physician. And in medical school, you start to get exposed to all the different specialties. Right. And as a person who had no sort of family medical background, really had no idea how varied the options were, and thought, I'm going to be a family doctor. Yeah. Perfect. I would be a terrible family doctor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> family doctors are uh, a jack of all trades and often masters at all of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Family doctors are very good at a lot of different things. I excel at focus. <laughs> a focus. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you give me a topic and I will absolutely devour it and know everything there is yeah. to know about mm-hmm. it, and that's what I'm good at. And I also found out that I love surgery, like, oh. a lot. Um, so I, I ended up in obstetrics and gynecology because it offered me all of those things. And because getting paged at four o'clock in the morning to deliver a baby is a great thing to wake up for. Yes. So it's true. true. Yeah. 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 Most of my specialty is joy. Not that I could do that, but I'm really glad you can. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's why she's a specialist, I know. You can only do so much. Well, and I guess now, I mean, if we can talk about your personal life, you have family too, and... uh, so, yeah, so you're, you know, you get these, these women that are first-time pregnancy or, you know, women that have had more than one baby and they've been there, done that, and now that you've gone through it and everything, do you often, is it easier now to relate to women than it was when you were first starting? For and sure. I guess for, yeah, for obvious sure. reasons, you didn't have the um, experience. Although I had now. my kids fairly early on. Mm-hmm. My first child was born when I was a first-year medical student and my second child in first year of residency training. Oh, so they're born so, to be doctors then at some point. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I would support them, but not necessarily push them that way. It's a hard, long haul. Oh, yes. um, but I was always a physician with kids. Okay. So um, a lot of my colleagues become doctors mm-hmm. and start working and then have their families. Mm-hmm. And so they, they maybe see a difference in how they approach certain things after they become parents. Yeah. Um, but I sort of was all the way along. So I didn't notice a shift in my practice or anything, but um, definitely, I think, had a more practical approach to some things than, than some of my classmates did. Right, yeah. um, a lot of my classmates were still living at home and were that person that studied all the yep. time um, <laughs> and didn't move out and have a job no. and, and that sort of thing. So we were worlds different. I 
you know, had a husband and dogs and children and <laughs> a mortgage. And, Very busy. You know, yeah. Wow. Like, so, again, like, there's a variety of, of life experience in yeah. in your trainees, and that gives a variety of, of experiences. Oh, my God. Yeah. Totally. I would, yeah, you just become, I think, so much more well-rounded, too, yeah. at an early age. Well, and I think, like she said, you know, you kind of become more in tune with what your patients really need from you. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. you're seeing um, a shift from, uh, like maybe how our mothers would treat a trip to the gynecologist versus us and even women who are younger now. So Mm -hmm. I hope that we're demystifying the vagina and all the things Mm -hmm. that come along with it and making it seem, and we've talked about this on on Twitter as well, is that we're huge proponents of sex education because when you know how your body works, Mm -hmm. you know what questions to ask and you know when things are not normal Mm -hmm. and you know when there might be something that needs to be checked and you know, you know that you need to have regular visits with your doctor. And I think all those things are really smart and healthy things for women mm-hmm. to grow up with, knowing how their body yeah. works. And I think that we would expand the title of sex education uh, to be something that, I don't know, is less controversial. Yeah. People hear sex and they don't want to talk about it or they don't want to talk to their kids about it. Mm-hmm. But we should be talking about how our bodies work, whether you're having sex or not. Right, Just exactly. because they're the organs you might use to have sex or that might end up pregnant if you have sex, doesn't mm-hmm. mean you shouldn't know how they work when you're not. Yes, it's like it's like yeah. owning a car and not knowing what's under the hood, right? Like well, you I'm guilty kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> but you still know how to go to a specialist for it. But really just to yes. understand the basics of how your body works, yeah. I think is really smart. I see a lot yeah. less shame in, that's good. in that's younger good. women. Yeah. Excellent. Um, totally. some, some of the um, patient encounters that make me the saddest are you know sort of the older ladies who have been struggling with something for years and they come and see me they're so ashamed they're practically in tears they're hiding their faces um, and then when we sort of get to the root of the problem and address it sometimes it's a quick solution and they walk out of there and they say like oh my god I, I could have been living so much better and happier so in this years. body mm-hmm. If I had just talked to someone about this, and mm-hmm. and those make me sad. Right. I love the young women that come in and say, "Hey, doc, I want to talk to you about this thing." Yes. I'm like, yes, let's. Yeah, do I've it. already googled it. I think it's this. Do you think it is? Da da da. Right. That's just that's just it too. But like going back to the whole thing, yes, of becoming more aware, and I think we are doing a better job of becoming more aware of our bodies. But you know, when you said check under the hood and everything like that, there's. You know, I guess because it's still ingrained in us, you know, the sense of romance, the sense of mystique, the sense of, you know, the unknown. Yeah. We just don't. But like, unknown is scary. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know now. Yeah. Well, yeah. we know now. And, yeah, but, and you know, it's funny because when, when you have young children, right? And so mm-hmm. my, my are going to be 14, 12, and 9, and they asked me years ago, well, where did babies come from? Mm-hmm. And I would give them age-appropriate answers, mm-hmm. you know, to understand yeah. how this happens. And now that they're older and have had, you know, education in school and, you know, education yeah. at home. And it's just like, so this is how it happens. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you need to be educated about how and not only just how, but why you don't necessarily want to do that when you're younger because of the consequences yeah. that can follow. Right. So yeah. it's all part of a larger conversation. And, you know, you talked about this before, right, is that yeah. I'm always a proponent that education is key and that really being honest with your children is the best thing you can do for them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're going to find out somehow some way yeah. and you don't want them to find out from the internet or oh god well you know, most of from... them know more than you do and and it's just and again yeah. it's like so, how they're finding it so are you still seeing like young women 
pregnant, like, you know, like young, um, young? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not a lot in my practice, but mm-hmm. I have a colleague friend who specializes in pediatric yeah. and adolescent yeah. obscine. Um, so she has a lot of teens um, that she cares for and helps them get yes. contraception, yeah. you know, if they yeah. want it and definitely if they need it. Um, and if they get pregnant, she takes care of them. And yeah. we're all a part of the same call group. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're involved when they come into hospital. Yeah. So do you see, though, like definitely more awareness like and safe practices more happening? Or um, Yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. There's, there's still quite a lot of young women who are sheltered from good information mm-hmm. um, or who maybe see the same um, physician as their parents and are concerned to, you know, maybe say something to that family doctor, not understanding that yeah. uh, there is, you know, confidentiality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, my parents know you, so I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling <laughs> you. you know. yeah. and, and again, just, you know, talking about uh, access and, and getting rid of barriers. There's a clinic um, mm-hmm. downtown, the women's health clinic that I accessed as a teen to get information that I knew wouldn't get back to my parents. Um, and, you know, many other opportunities for teens to, to go yeah. in and do that on their own. And oh, then yeah. they're also taking responsibility, which I think is a good thing all around. Well, I think so too, you know, mm-hmm. and they're pretty well adjusted, but I mean, I guess I only kind of brought that up just because, again, it was a storyline at one of my favorite shows, Chicago Med, but it was a, you know, she was a 17-year-old girl, mm-hmm. and parents, no, oh, she's got appendicitis, and no, she was trying to sell, oh, yes. tried to sell oh. self-abort oh. online, and, yes. uh, and the one pill that she, the finishing pill or whatever, she had to go to a doctor, mm-hmm. so she didn't, but it was just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is... Education is and good. Again, definitely Knowledge afraid is of good. Uh, yeah, telling her parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I, and it ended up that they just covered it up. Mm-hmm. Like the wife didn't tell the husband, and the husband was oh, left I in see. the dark. Yeah. And so there's yeah. so much shame, you know, around something that's biologically completely normal and yeah. um, something we should be anticipating. Yeah, or you would hope to, right? Yeah. If mm-hmm. that, that girl was 27 and, right. you know, they would be happy grandparents to, yeah. you know, a child. But, yeah, and so it, yeah. it's, I think, going to be a, an ongoing process, mm-hmm. really. But, I don't know, let's talk about uh, the Jets. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You see, are you a hockey fan? Yeah. 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 She's yeah. wearing her blue. I so. know. Yeah. That's right. Or I just thought you were blue. No. I'm both. <laughs> I'm blue yeah. about the Jets, but also a fan. Oh, that's good, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, you're talking about uh, a certain announcement that uh, Leslie has in June? Yeah, so she's going to be starting a new position, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. And yeah. she's going to be talking about that and more at TEDx Winnipeg, mm-hmm. which is really oh, exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, they have a great lineup Thanks. this year. So what's your topic, Dr. Leslie? It's about minding your own pregnancy. Excellent. What does that mean? Yeah, I know. It's sort of, I like the yeah. topic. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to spend some time talking about sort of normal physiology of pregnancy and some of the, the symptoms that okay. people who are pregnant will experience. Mm-hmm. And it's not all that pleasant. Yes. Being oh. pregnant is usually pretty awful at some point. Sometimes it's not a fairy tale, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest things that I end up addressing in my prenatal visits with patients is their concerns about something that someone said to them. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. about, you know, you're too big, you're too small, you're eating this wrong, you shouldn't be having that. You oh should, my yeah. gosh. Uh, as if and... we're not open to enough criticism <laughs> on a daily basis, as soon as someone thinks you're pregnant, oh my gosh, yeah. out comes the advice, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've noticed um, people see a pregnant belly and they absolutely need to comment. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. And the comment is almost never neutral or positive. Mm. It's always some sort of a warning <laughs> or, you know. You know what my pet peeve is? Mm-hmm. Is people who share horrible birth stories. Yeah. So when I, I, when I was pregnant, I would tell people, I don't want to hear your birth story. Don't tell me. I'm not interested. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have my own birth story and it's going to be wonderful. Or yeah. it's going to be whatever, but it's not going to be tainted by your and horrible birth story. Whatever it is won't be influenced by what happened to you. Exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Is that sort of what you mean then? Yeah. yeah just like, oh, wait till so this happens. And then oh, what do you yeah. say? So then what is the counter to that? <laughs> well, so what I've actually started saying to um, women, couples, when I meet them for the first time is that they need to practice saying, my doctor says I'm doing just fine. Oh, oh and perfect. Then, you know, if the person said, oh my God, you look huge and you're now stressing about, is my baby too big? And, you know, am I gaining too much weight? Mm-hmm. Come and ask me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we'll, we'll look at your weight gain together. We'll measure the height of your uterus and see if it's appropriate. And then we can actually, you know, put a plan together. Put those fears yeah. to rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you are yeah. measuring big, we're going to address that. Um, so just to practice, you know, saying to people like, thank you well, for your opinion, but... We got this. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're fine. Oh. And my, my only comment to people is that you should never comment on a pregnancy. Unless you see the baby crowning, don't <laughs> yeah. ever ask her if she's pregnant. Don't ever reach or out to touch broke. her belly. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. please don't. No. Please don't. There should no. be like a, bear, like a fence around. There really should be. Pregnant yeah. ladies. Yeah. yeah. But that is a common mistake. I, I've made it. So I, I'm just going <laughs> to You know, and I'm not, it's not that I haven't either, but sometimes it escapes your mouth before you can even mm-hmm. stop yourself. Or you're just like, it's mm-hmm. a natural thing. I didn't need to say yeah. that. Or, oh, I shouldn't have said like, that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was awkward. I know, right? Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have good pregnancies or easy pregnancies? Hmm. I think I had pretty average pregnancies. There were different discomforts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> things that caused me stress or pain. Um, but even a completely normal, healthy, good pregnancy comes with stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. You yeah. know, having to wake up to do a three point turn in bed to get to the <laughs> other side yeah. um, is not something that I miss. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And have yeah. ever had to do except for while I was pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Well, gosh. Yeah. Well, and then you have three. So the third one was just like. Or you know what? I had three completely different deliveries and three almost different you know experiences each time. Mm-hmm. So really? I did yeah. the C-section, I had the V-back, and then I did completely natural. So wow. whatever you want to know, ask I me. Because yeah. <laughs> I've done it all, and it was it was it was um, important to me though. Like the second time with uh, Sam, mm-hmm. I did not want to have a C-section again. I had a yeah. toddler at home. I had yeah. stairs at home. I did not want to be you know recuperating yeah. after uh, birth. And so I said to my OBGYN at the time, 
I want to do a VBAC. I said, are you supportive of that? And she said, yes, absolutely. I said, because people are telling me it's impossible that if you have one C-section, you have to have C-sections for the rest. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. We can do whatever you want, she says. And then if anything changes, or if you feel uncomfortable, then we can re-examine what we're going to do later. And I'm like, okay. I said, because I do not want to be lying you know, there in the hospital. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, this isn't happening. So we're just going to do a C-section. It's like, yeah. we're going to be patient. <laughs> we're just going to wait. And then, of course, he came three and a half weeks early. So he oh, messed nice. that right up. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I was comfortable because she had said, I'm going to work with you and what yeah. you what, what you, you want. want. Yeah. Now, yeah. that being said, birth plans can go out the window sometimes. So you oh, really yeah. have to, I think, the psychology of the birthing process really needs to be about accepting that you want to be in control, but that you might not be at the very yeah. end. So you kind of have to release yourself to that, you know, yeah. knowledge, right? People ask me about birth plans. You know, do you recommend I make one? What should, should be I on laminate it? it? Yeah. <laughs> and no. honestly, I tell them coming in with a birth plan um, is sort of like bringing your recipe into someone else's kitchen. <gasps> That's oh. a good one. I like and that. If yeah. they're missing an ingredient, mm-hmm. are you going to yeah. feel like the whole thing is a failure. Right. Right? Right. So um, look at birth plans. Look mm-hmm. what's on them so that you can educate yourself about what are the options? Mm-hmm. What are the different ways that this can go? Mm-hmm. Um, and have an idea of what your ideal birth looks like. Mm-hmm. But try not to come into it with an expectation that it's going to go exactly this way. Right. Because um, if you can roll with the punches, you're going to be a lot happier at the end of it that you got the outcome that you wanted. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, you wanted you and baby to be safe and ready to embark on this life together. Right. Um, To me, birth is sort of like weddings. We spend so much time planning for and stressing about and worrying about, really, we should be worried about the marriage. (laughs) Right. And parenting that comes after. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is a huge occasion. Yeah. It is momentous. Yeah. Um, But it's not necessarily the biggest yeah. piece. Yeah, and I think too with the birth plan too is that you've put you've put so much um, hope and expectation on what's going to happen that when what yeah. actually happens is you feel like a failure because mm-hmm. that plan didn't come true for whatever oh, reason. Oh, and then I wonder. And that's, yeah. not, that's not the case no. at all. The, the, no. You pushed out a baby. You did an amazing yeah. job. And if you had a C-section, you did an amazing job. And there's nothing, there's no right way to give birth, right? And so I think that we need to release our of those expectations and think I did this wrong mm-hmm. or I should have done this and what I think is the most important thing is that you need to be communicating with your healthcare team and you need to have an advocate for you so whether yeah. that's your husband your partner a doula whatever yeah. just letting those things be known I think is most important mm-hmm. and that I think can really help soothe the expectations falling by the wayside kind of thing yeah so speaking of birthing plans um a, a doulas or home births mm-hmm. are What's your opinion? <laughs> well, there, there's a whole spectrum. And, yes. And a doula I know, I know. doesn't necessarily mean a home birth. Yes, so that's and what a, I found out. A home birth yes. doesn't always include a doula. doula. Yeah. Um, so home births, is, that's a tricky topic for me mm-hmm. because um, I see a lot of very uncomplicated, low-risk, straightforward, beautiful deliveries mm-hmm. that in hindsight could very easily have in, happened at home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, but I've also seen the absolute turn on a dime near catastrophes that we've managed to have a good outcome because we were so close to an yes. operating room and a team and all of those supports. So, you know, making a statement about home birth should never happen, 
um, because yeah. of those near misses or you know right. catastrophes is probably excessive. Yeah. Um, but they make me nervous. I'll be honest. They make well, me nervous I, yeah. because and of I think what I've seen. Yes, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's obviously between well, the parents or or the person, the woman. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know, I have so many friends who've done home births and had great success with it. But you know, it's yeah. like she says, and she's the doctor, right? Like she, I know that's her experience. Well, I see that's the worst her, stuff. Yeah, right? Yes, exactly. so well, it's, yeah. the ones that you have a good delivery at home, yeah. I never see. Right, right, no. and that's how it's supposed to be. Right, yeah. the ones that don't go so well at home that come yeah. in in an ambulance. You and know, it's chaos. Those and are the ones stressful. I see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I recognize that I have a bias there. Totally. And um, you know, I, I have had patients who were were sent to me because of something high risk in their history, and then you know we went on to go through a, a good pregnancy that goes to yeah. term, and then ha- uncomplicated delivery, and then they're back again pregnant, and now they're they're considering um, a birth center delivery mm-hmm. or a home birth. Yeah. And I say, you know, really, once you get to term again, you're an excellent candidate for that. Mm-hmm. And if that's yeah. what you want to do, I fully support it. Um, but it's it's having the benefit of that experience. Exactly. And, and knowing how things have gone before. Yeah, I'll yeah. know. And getting to that point, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think, too, that goes back to, again, excellent communication between patient and caregiver and, you know, mm-hmm. healthcare provider is to just, you know, have those conversations and to not be afraid yeah. to um, tell them your recommendation and her to ask, like, what right. do you think? And, and then the recommendation yeah. can be specific to that woman's situation. Exactly. Um, the broad recommendation may not fit, fit. the situation. Right. So... Yeah, well, it's it just, just sounds like individuals. Yeah, yeah. She, you just sound like a great doctor. She is. <laughs> just like, yeah. Well, yeah, but it says that she's not taking any new patients. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> always taking new patients. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I mean, it, it's a talk that you need to have. I mean, I don't have any girls. I've got all boys. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's just a hard topic. Yeah. Until you you're actually one daughter. One I do. Daughter. So, so we all have you two had boys. This, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two boys and then my girl. But yeah. you know what? But I sh- talk to my boys about this stuff. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. My boys know yeah. about periods. Mm-hmm. Well, they know yeah. about I tell, tampons. I tell them she carries them in, the, yeah. in their backpacks. Yeah, for well, sure. just, <laughs> just because. You never know when you yeah. can help a friend out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I think one would be fine with it. The other one would not. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's Same a great right way to meet yeah. girls, though, i got to say. Because when you're in an emergency, you're going to get that maxi pad or tampon from anyone who's got one. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward, though, to hearing you at TED Talks. So that's Thank happening you. in June? It's happening in June. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And then your new position. We just briefly touched on that with yeah. uh, the Winnipeg Hospital. Yeah, Health Sciences. At Health Sciences, yeah. Yes. Um, so we have a, a head of department mm-hmm. and then a head at each hospital within the department and then a head of obstetrics and a head of gynecology um, just to help coordinate all of Everything. the care and the education that's happening. We train residents at both sites here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, so that was a position that was held by someone that I respect very much who just recently retired and I was very excited to be considered for the job. So. Wow. Congratulations. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. And so it's deserving. so great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she training. is a rock star. She I agree. Is. I agree. She is. And yes. I just think it's really important that, um, you know, women in positions of uh, power and authority and teaching and uh, mentoring, all those things, you have such a great skill set that you can, you know, impart to future students mm-hmm. and residents. And I think that's just really great for incoming medical students and residents. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you're now officially a member of the Hugh Group. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Anytime uh, we want to talk about more uh, women's health, it's Dr. Leslie. That's right. Sure. Thank right. you so much for coming today. Thanks. Thank oh, you and for you know inviting what? me. 
Do you like our, our new show home here? Yes, you see. I like our set today. This is a gorgeous set. <laughs> it's Fox Ridge in Ridgewood West, so a big shout out to Fox Ridge Homes. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, so I think it's coffee time. Definitely. Great, yeah. I'm in. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ILikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.